Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. If you have your Bibles, open them up to the Burke book, to the Burke, to the Burke, or the book, either way, the first Timothy chapter two, and we will be in verse five this morning. First Timothy chapter two, verse five. The title of this morning's message is only one way. Only one way. Now, on Wednesday nights here at Rocky Valley, uh, we have uh, small group times. And in one of those classes, uh, for the last few months, uh, I've been privileged to lead a study dealing with uh, other world religions and other religions uh, that are popular in this world today. And it's been a... uh, I want to be clear, the purpose of this lesson was not to teach uh, the people at Rocky Valley who have been in the class how to be better at being in other religious organizations, but the goal of the class has been from an apologetics standpoint, so how to defend your faith with the hope being the better we understand these things, the better we understand our own faith, and the hope being that should we have opportunity to share our faith with someone... We could share the truth with them of Scripture, and we would understand more uh, about what their beliefs are, uh, and so we would kind of have a better avenue with which to have a conversation. Coincidentally, as a shameless plug, that class will be ending this Wednesday night, but the same lesson will begin next Wednesday night uh, in a different class here at Rocky Valley. So on Wednesday nights, if, if an apologetics class is something that you may be interested in, Wednesday nights at 6.30, we have one starting next week, and we also have other small groups. Uh, So I do want to plug that just a little bit. But if that's something you're interested in, all jokes aside, uh, I think it's been a very enlightening study for all those who have been a part of it. But as we draw near the end of the first class, the the closing of the class, uh, it kind of became a focus of mine, a passion of mine. I said, how do, we, how do we wrap this up? How do we wrap this all up? We've learned so much about so much. And how do we bring it all down to a head and say, this is uh, how we talk to others about Jesus Christ. This is how we talk to others about what we believe about our God. What do we believe about the God of the Bible? And how do we share that with people that believe differently. And this morning, as we dive into this one verse, I believe that, that, that Paul's writing under the inspired uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit here in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, I, I believe is one verse that greatly exemplifies the God of the Bible that we believe in. So please stand in honor and reverence to the reading of the holy, infallible, and inerrant words of our holy God from 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Father God, we ask that you would do what only you can do this morning, Lord. And that is dwell with your people, Lord. God, we ask you bind any spirit from this place that ain't your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus. That you would be high and lifted up, the name above all other names, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. 
God, you have your way. And we will give you the praise and the honor and the glory for all you do. And it's in your precious name we pray. And all of God's people said, and you may be seated. The first thing that I want us to look at from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, is that there is a sovereignty that is to be recognized. If we are looking to share our faith, looking to establish the truth, we look here, and right here we see Paul does a really phenomenal job right here in the first part of this verse. He does a great job of refuting several other things in other religions. He refutes atheism. Or agnosticism, or or, or the beliefs that there is no God, or that there may or may not be a God. That's what the atheist or the agnostic would say, is that there is either no God, or maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I'm not so sure, and I'm not going to be conclusive about it. And so Paul refutes atheism, agnosticism, right here in this very verse. Uh, He refutes polytheism or the belief that there may be many gods. The belief that there are many different ways and many different paths and many different gods that one can worship. And he also refutes humanism or the belief that basically the world revolves around us and the God is meant to serve us and that we can make him what we need him to be. And if you have studied other religions and other beliefs very much, you'll find that within those three, you can basically encompass most of the false religions and cults of this world into those three. And Paul refutes it right here at the beginning of this verse. And the first thing he says to start that is this statement. There is. Now let's just stop right there for a minute. (coughs) There is. Now as he writes that, there's some things that he's really saying there. And and I want to simply put this this way. That's a belief statement. That's a faith statement. There is. We believe that there is one God. We believe there is God. And quite simply stating, if you search the Bible throughout, you'll find that God doesn't spend a great deal of time putting verses in the Bible to prove his existence. He doesn't spend a great deal of time putting verses in the Bible that say... I am real and I am God. Why doesn't he do that? Well, one, it would, it would be useless for him to do that because you either believe that he is God or you've decided to go the other way. But what does God say? He, he begins his discourse to all of humanity in the Bible. He begins it with a, with a faith statement. What is it? It says, in the beginning, God. He says, in the beginning, God. Before all of creation, the one that breathed into existence all of creation was God. He says, in the beginning, it's me. In the beginning, it's God. And he simply says, I am. Before all else is me. The preeminent of all existence is God. And quite frankly, within that statement, there is in the beginning, God, you can either believe in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, or you cannot believe that in the beginning God. But Psalms 14.1 says this, that the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. So what does God say about his existence? He says, you either believe that I am God, or you're foolish. You either believe it or you don't. 
And you say, well, that's a harsh statement, Brother Jason. Isn't there a more scientific explanation for God? Isn't there a better way for you to explain to God? I mean, we're talking about going to people that may not believe in God. And you're saying that the first task to coming to know God is to simply believe that He exists. Don't you have a better scientific explanation? No. Do you know why I don't have a better scientific explanation? Because science has yet to prove that there is no God. Therefore, the the burden of proof is not on me as one that believes there is a God. Can I just ask you to think about this for me just for a minute? You want proof that God exists? Psalms 19.1 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the handiworks of His hands. So you know what God's Word says about seeing that God exists? It says, go outside and take a look around. It says, go out in the night sky and look at the stars twinkle where they are and say to yourself, I believe that those have been divinely placed by the hand of a creator where they go. And can I just say that it takes far more faith to believe that billions of years ago there was a divine explosion that placed all those stars in that spot. There is no part of me that believes that that without some divine creator of God that there could ever be the chance that all of these things just happened. It takes far more faith for you to look at a baby, a precious, precious baby who's been born. For you to look at that child and say to yourself, I believe that this is the miraculous work of millions of years of evolution. Then to look at that precious baby and say, I believe this is the miraculous work of the hands of a divine creator, God in heaven, who thought it all, who breathed it all, who made it all, and he placed this child in my care. It takes way more faith to come up with some scientific explanation. So why don't I have to explain that there is God in a scientific manner? Well, because quite frankly, science is merely a bunch of theories. And you can ask the greatest scientific mind in the world, and they will say that science is a systemized knowledge. It's merely theories that they try to prove. But God, on the other hand, says, by faith, you believe that there is a God. I look at the Grand Canyon. I've never seen it personally. But science would have me to believe that that river over the course of millions of years has carved its way down into that canyon and made that majestic, breathtaking view. But I just find that difficult for me to imagine that that's what happened. That would take a lot more faith than for me to believe that a divine creator said, this is for my children to enjoy the majesty of my handiwork. And he said, there's a canyon. Look at it, guys. So there is first the establishment that there is one God. But he doesn't stop there. He, he doesn't just say there is. He said there is one, right? So let's look at that for a minute. There are religions all around that make claim that there are many gods. Many that are worthy of worship. But scripture shows us here that there is but one. Only one God. So that means that 
The religions that say there may be many gods, that means the, the humanistic religions, so those that worship ourselves, that say that God can be what we want Him to be. If we don't like the way the Bible reads, if we don't like the way our conviction feels, if we don't like the way the Spirit moves, we can simply make God what we want Him to be and feel better about ourselves. We can just go create our own religion and worship our own God, and He has to revolve around us. But the Bible says that there is but one God. What do you mean, Brother Jason? Well, if there is but one God, then he must be consistent in his nature and in his sovereignty. And so we just can't have it how we want it. In other words, you can't say things like, I believe in God. And I believe that God is holy, and I believe that as man we are not, and I believe that because we are not holy, we are separated from our Father God, and because we are separated, the only way for us to get to heaven, the only way for us to get to God is the one way, Christ Jesus, who came to die and was resurrected for our sins. And I believe that He is the only way to heaven. That statement, absolutely true. But a lot of people now would have you say this. They would say, well, I also believe in God, but I just don't believe that He would send people to hell if they don't believe in Jesus. You can't have it both ways. When you attempt that, you are saying at a minimum there are at least two gods. There's one God that would condemn people that don't accept the blood of Jesus Christ as their Savior, and you have a group of people who would believe in another God that says it's okay to do what you want to do. God is a God of mercy and love and wouldn't send you to hell. You just simply can't have it both ways. So you either believe in the God of the Bible or you quite frankly do not. But there are not many gods, there is but one. You cannot say, I believe in the God of the Bible and I believe that indeed when Jesus Christ split the veil of the temple wide open, he provided a way for me to go directly to God in intercession. He is my mediator. You can't have it that way and say, well, I believe in the Bible as well, but I believe that the way for me to talk to God is to go into a confessional booth or go through his dead mother. You simply cannot have it both ways. You are at that point looking at two separate gods, one who believes this way and one who is consistent with the Bible. And can I just point this out as we, as we wrap this section off before I stay here all day? Anyone who says that they don't believe that there is a God cannot explain this one Simple question. Do you believe that there is right and wrong? Do you believe there is right and wrong? Because if you believe that there is right and wrong, then you believe there has to be a standard. You're either on the right side of that standard or the wrong side of that standard. If you believe that there is a universal standard by which we are all measured to be right or wrong, then you must believe that there is a universal standard maker. Guess who the universal standard maker is? God. For there is one God. I would venture a guess to say that even the best atheist in the world would not allow me to say this statement. If there is no God, then rape is not wrong. I doubt there's an atheist in the world that would say that that's okay. But the greatest scientific atheist in the world would say that we evolved through evolution. What is evolution? It is essentially the survival of the fittest within a race. 
So when Darwin studied the birds over on the island, he developed that their beaks got harder when they were in the rocky ground and their beaks got curved when they were in the softer ground. So they evolved to be the best of their race and the others starved to death. So the best genes got passed on. So by that theory of evolution, rape is okay because if I can overpower someone and take them for myself and pass my strong genes on, there's no standard that says I shouldn't. It is in fact the way evolution should work. No one would say that, would they? Because why? Because there is a standard inside of all of us and that standard has been set by our Creator and our Creator is God. So whether you want to say you believe in God or not, you're awfully happy He exists when people don't just come and take your stuff with no no penalty. There is a God. He is the universal standard maker. So first there is, yeah, hang on before we go on. You know what comment I hear all the time? This is free, by the way. Don't time me. Take, take your clock off for a minute. You know what drives me nuts? When you, when you try to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone and they make this statement right here. Well, God just really, God just wants me to be happy. Don't he? God God wants me to be happy. Teach you guys a Greek word right here. No. In the Hebrew, that means no. And in the Greek, still means no. In as much as you define happiness in that God wants me to have whatever scratches my itch, or tickles my fancy, or makes me happy, or doesn't convict me, or doesn't concern me, or doesn't move me. God doesn't want you to be happy. God wants you to be full of joy, but he says your joy comes from delighting in his ways, and therefore you will be happy in all your days because you delight in his ways. He says he wants you to be full of joy, but not temporal happiness. In fact, let me just, let me just say this. Too many of us want our happiness at the expense of our holiness. Hang on, let me say that again, those of you who don't listen as quick as I talk. Too many of us want our happiness at the expense of our holiness. And when you do that, when you get to the end, you know what you got? Neither one. You got no happiness, you got no holiness. But if you get your holiness... So important in your life that you're willing to forsake some of your temporal happiness, then when you get to the end, you'll have more of both than you can stand. We cannot get our happiness before our holiness. So there's a sovereignty we must recognize. I got to make up three minutes, so we're going to talk quick. There's a separation that we have to realize. It says there is one God and one mediator between man and God. So let's recognize that we are sinful in our nature. Well, how do you say that out of that verse, Brother Jason? Well, I say it because it says we have one mediator. What does a mediator do? A mediator is a go-between, an arbitrator, the one who stands between two parties and helps to, to communicate and bridge that gap. So why do we have to have a mediator between ourselves and God? Actually, between God and ourselves. Let's make sure we understand that. The mediator between God and us. Why do we have to have that? Because we are depraved in our nature. We are totally sinful. 
The Bible says that through one man Adam, sin entered into this world. So that means that we are all born with enough sin nature in our lives to be separated from our holy God apart from his grace in our lives. Let me illustrate it for you this way. We have had, we've had a lot of mass shootings in our country and in our world in the past several years, haven't we? And as a result of these mass shootings, we have had many gun control laws brought up. Uh, these laws have been put into place and brought up as a means to help eliminate gun violence. This would suggest that guns kill people. Now, I don't want to get too political here. I don't care which side of the gun control law you find yourself. It makes me no difference. But let me just point this out to you. I have several guns in my possession, one of which sits within reach of my bed in the evening time. And if guns kill people, I have some of the worst guns that have ever been made because they have not one time killed anyone. I need to send them back to the manufacturer because they're not doing a very good job of getting up and killing people. Now, I'm not against sensible gun control laws. I, I'm not at all. But can I just say this? If they took every gun in the entire world, if somehow we were able to get our hands on every single gun in the entire world and put it in a box at the bottom of the ocean and lock it up, people would start killing each other with number two pencils. You know why? Because we are sinful. We are depraved. We have a nature of sin. Do you realize that the first generation of people after sin entered the world committed the first murder? And we've been getting worse ever since then. The reason we have killing is because we have sin. The reason we have stealing is because we have sin. The reason we have hurt and problems and hurt each other and say things to each other that we shouldn't say is because why? We have sin. And therefore... We have a distance between ourselves and God that we simply can not make up on our own. You see, the problem isn't that just there's a distance between us and God. The problem is that he's on one side, we're on the other. He's on the holy side, we're on the sinful side. Imagine with me a bride in a beautiful white wedding gown. All of you who have been brides, you can remember this. All of you who have been grooms, you can remember your bride in a white wedding gown. All of you who have not been married yet, remember somebody else that you saw in a white wedding gown. If you don't know anybody, imagine me right now in a white wedding gown. <laughs> Make sure you're still awake. Some of you are. Good news. A bride in a beautiful white wedding gown. At the reception following her ceremony, that gown is gorgeous, it is white, it is pure. But the ring bearer made his way to the chocolate groom's cake and placed his hands in the icing. And he is so cute, he is her nephew. And here he comes with chocolate on his face and on both hands, coming to give his beautiful aunt a hug 
And what does she say? Don't think so. Why? Because I am pure and white in my wedding gown. And if I were to fellowship with you with that chocolate on you, I wouldn't be pure and white anymore. Same thing that God would say about us. When he sees us in our sinful, hell-bound state, he looks at us and he says this, I cannot fellowship with you in your sinful state because if I did that, I would sully myself. I would dirty myself and I can not be in the presence of sin. There is a chasm that has to be crossed and we need a mediator in that, my friends, is Christ Jesus, which leads us to our final point. There's a sovereignty to be recognized, a separation to be realized, and there is a Savior that has reconciled. You have holy God, you have sinful, depraved man, and bless God, we've got Jesus. Because if the story ended there, if the story ended there, we'd be hopeless. But praise God, it doesn't stop there. We have one mediator. And it is the man, Christ, Jesus. Let's look at what is said here about that. The Bible is very clear on its teaching that Jesus Christ is the only way that we can be reconciled to God our Father. And that's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? Think about that. For Jesus and his disciples to make that statement that Jesus Christ is the only way. <coughs> the only way to heaven is through Christ Jesus. The only way. That's a dogmatic statement. Brother Jason, how can you be so sure? How could the disciples be so sure? Look how he's described here. First he talks about the man. It speaks of the humanity of Christ. The Bible teaches that God became man. He took upon flesh. His name was Jesus. John 1 teaches us, says the word became flesh and dwelt among men. 1 John 4, 3 says that any spirit, with a little s, that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not from God, but is from the Antichrist. 1 Timothy 1.15 says that this is a saying worthy of remembrance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The clear teaching of Scripture is that Christ stepped out of glory and into flesh and dwelt among men. And so there is a humanity in the man, Christ Jesus. But look at that next word, the man, Christ. If man speaks of his humanity, Christ speaks of his deity. It speaks of the fact that what? When John 1 says, the word became flesh, first it said what? In the beginning was the word. So it establishes that before the word became flesh, the word was there in creation. All things were created through him and for him. And then the creator stepped out and became part of the creation. And so the deity on one side, the humanity on the other. And now can I just point out something to you guys about bridges? Because we said there is a gap. And we need a mediator. We need a bridge between God and us. I'm going to teach all of you who are not engineers something special about bridges. A bridge that doesn't start on one side of the river and end on the other side of the river 
is not a very good bridge. Here's what I mean. Imagine the Cumberland River on Highway 109 heading towards Gallatin. If, if that bridge started on the Lebanon side of the river and didn't make it all the way to the Gallatin side of the river, what would happen when you drove out on that bridge? Somebody help me. You'd go splish splash, you'd be taking a bath. My friends, how can I say that the man Christ Jesus is the only way to be reconciled to God? Because he is the only bridge who has been fully man and fully God. There are an awful lot of religious leaders in this world who have come along. They've wrote their own book. They said they heard from somebody special. They talked to an angel. They ciphered their own code. And they were fully sinful man. But you know what they never got? They never got the deity of Jesus Christ. So they may be a bridge from the man's side into the chasm. But they're going to end you in the lake of fire. Only Jesus Christ can claim to be rooted on the humanity side and the Christ side all at the same time being fully God, yet fully man, veiled in flesh the Godhead we see, Christ Jesus, the humanity and the deity. You say, Brother Jason, you're just being a religious bigot to say that if people don't believe in the God of the Bible that they're going to hell. Wasn't there a great preacher one time on Larry King that said there may be many ways? There was a man on Larry King one time that said there may be many ways, but great preacher is not how I would define him because there are an awful lot of people who have been misguided to believe there may be other ways for them to get to heaven. I am here to say I am not a religious bigot that wants to condemn people to hell. I am merely someone that's going to stand on the concrete truth of the Word of God and saying the only way that sinful man can be reconciled to holy God is Jesus Christ. And if you believe there is any other way for you to get there, you're not going to make it. And it's not because I hate other religions. It's because I love people enough to tell them the truth. And that is our responsibility, church. To share the truth that there is one God there is one mediator, the man, Christ, Jesus. As we close this morning, I ask you to reflect on this thought. If you don't tell people the truth, who will? Who will? And that truth is very simple. We always share the gospel and way too often we get excited about talking about the love of Christ. But how does the Bible explain the gospel? Way back in Genesis, this begins with what? That in the beginning there's God and that he's holy. If you'll flip forward just a few chapters, you'll find that the next thing that the Bible talks about is not the love of Christ, but the fall of man. And then after it deals with the fall of man, it gives us Jesus Christ as our mediator. 
And then it asks us what we're going to do with the man Christ Jesus. Will we accept him as our bridge? So how do you share the gospel? You tell people there is a God, that he is holy, that they are sinful, and that Jesus is their bridge. Let us pray. Father God, we stand before you, Lord God. God, we stand before you with the weight that while you are holy, we, we are not. But God, we stand with the hope built in nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ, Lord. That on an old rugged cross, you paid our penalty for sin. And so God, we thank you. We love you. We praise you. If there be one here who's looking at the distance between themselves and a holy God and realizing that they've never been washed in the blood of the Lamb, I pray you give them the courage and the conviction to step out and accept you this morning, Lord. But for those in your house this morning who believe in you, who are saved, sanctified saints, Lord God, I pray that you would burden all of our hearts this morning with someone who needs to hear the truth, Lord God. And that you wouldn't allow us to leave this place until we had prayed for an opportunity to share that truth with them. And God, it's in your precious heavenly name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.